this late afternoon, early evening. Kanita Hunter, seasoned journalist these days with News 24. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, Kanita Hunter. Wa alaikum salam, shukran for having me. Kalita, if one had to summarize, I mean, from a journalistic perspective, observing, and I'm sure, you know, uh, many in South Africa's journalistic community has in fact done so, the the proceedings of uh, today, South Africa's case at the ICJ at The Hague, what would be, in your opinion, the takeaway points that are worthy of writing about? I think, uh, firstly, the presentation made, the three-hour-long presentation made by South Africa's legal team was rightfully described as impeccable. Um, This was a a masterclass, I think, in um, international law, uh, as well as uh, in terms of weaving together a very complicated case of of um, genocide uh, when i if you if you asked you know uh, what what was the main thrust of south africa's argument i think the first is that they is indisputable genocide that is taking place. And I think that dividing the case uh, in the way South Africa had was exceptionally important. The proceedings started with Ambassador Vusi Madansela, um, you know, just giving an overarching uh, 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 picture of why South Africa is present there at the court um, today. We then saw uh, Justice Minister Ronald Lamola um basically affirm South Africa's position um, and why South Africa thought it was important to approach this court. But it was really when Advocate Adila Hassam presented to the court that, you know, you could you could actually feel chills in the air inside the court chambers here um, in the Netherlands, Molana where she uh, sort of detailed the, the repeated acts of genocide uh, and relying on pictures and maps and videos to show the extent of the uh, what has been happening in Palestine and in Gaza since October 7. But an important point made by the South African government and highlighted early on by Advocate Madam Sela uh, by, and Advocate Hassam that this conflict did not start on October 7. Then I thought it was important... Um, uh, 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 when uh, the South African legal team, uh, uh, represented by uh, advocate Tembega Ngugai Tobi, t- took the court through uh, a submission that the that there was genocidal intent and there is genocidal intent on the part of Israel, referring to quotes and referring to videos where Israeli politicians and Israeli generals of army, um, you know, refer to uh, the destruction of Amalek and 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 weaving the case that these um, statements are genocidal and prove genocidal intent because they resulted in the actions that we see happening in in in. Gaza today. Um, the court also heard an uh, uh, important argument around ju- uh, jurisdiction, which is important because th- the court will have to make a finding on this. And I think Israel will argue um, that, that, that the court does not have jurisdiction over this matter. But the, I think the, 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 the crescendo of, of this legal case came when, ad, like you mentioned, Advocate uh, Von Lowe addressed the court. And he preempted a very uh, an argument that Israel is set to make before this court, um, the ICJ, uh, in that, in that uh, saying that whatever attack against a state's uh, territories, no matter how atrocious, 
does not and cannot justify genocide. And I think that, um, you know, we know that Israel's case is going to be located in self-defense and that uh, and that um, it will blame Israel for, for genocide. And what uh, Advocate Lowe told the court is that Hamas cannot be uh, uh, a party to this case because they are not a state party. Uh, you know, Kanita, when it comes to uh, the, the actual case itself, now, certainly you, you, there, there are people who have got different anticipations and hopes on the outcome. Uh, the outcome is not in the hands of the of the legal team you know, sent by South Africa. That's going to be the panel of judges that will decide on and, and write up later on. Then, too, thereafter, even whatever the outcome may be, that whether they rule in favor of the party or of the, the South African uh, you know, claim or, or, or not, it's enforcing upon uh, you know the state of Israel is something else altogether. But in your opinion, I mean, you've covered a number of cases, local and abroad as well. The type of awareness or the hype and the level of awareness that this case and the events leading to this case here, whether it is reporting in social media, have given the cause of the Palestinian struggle. I mean, commenting on that particular angle, the the uh, the the, the method. Methodological, methodological and systematic um, presentation of the Palestinian case. How do you feel that this case here will be viewed years later as that, you know, that, that having contributed towards Palestinian awareness? I think that that was a deliberate effort by uh, South, the South African government and its legal team. If you read those papers, um, the 84-page application, South Africa, um, you know, gave the world a history lesson in Palestinian struggle, going all the way back to the Nakba, and that's something that the justice minister presented to the court. And so it was um, really uh, an impo- important that the um, so that the uh, South African legal team did not locate their arguments in legalese. And um, as a result, that that 84-page application to the court becomes a very um, handy sort of resource in terms of understanding the plight of the Palestinian people. I think that what this case did, and and, um, like uh, Ammar Hijazi, a representative from the Palestinian government, said to me uh, earlier today, he said, this case is now a lifeline for the Palestinian people that their story and that their suffering has been heard on international stage and they are immensely thankful to South Africa for 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 relating um uh, the plight of the Palestinian uh, people to the world in, in, in this way. And so if you ask me whether today's uh, uh, hearing is historic, I think we're going to be studying um, the, uh, this case in international law uh, 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 studies for many years to come. Kanita, finally, before we let you go, related to the the current situation, though not necessarily related to the events coming out of today at the ICJ, the impact that has you know, been felt by the journalistic community. Now, over the last five to six years, we've seen a number of events that journalists have been very vocal about. The murder of Adnan Khashoggi, uh, and you, you, we've seen the, the murder of Shirin Abu Akleh, uh, you know, about a year and a half or so uh, ago. But in this particular event from October 7th, 118 journalists, and granted many of them may be local journalists, but a number of them working for international companies, 
internationally based organization serving in Gaza as news tellers and storytellers have in many instances been deliberately targeted. Have you seen in your circles, in your community, this outcry to you know, on the precedence, on the on the level that we saw at the time of you know the Khashoggi murder or, or the or, or the shooting of Shirin Abu Akleh from from the journalistic community locally or abroad. I think that the uh, one one has to admit that solidarity for Palestinian journalists targeted in this uh, um, conflict has been dismal, and it's something that I wrote about on News Twenty Four this week, where I say that uh, that you know, as South African journalists, we do not have a choice. When when Peter Magobane, for example, who was laid to rest this week, when Persik Koboza, when Subeda Jafar were arrested, it was the international community that mobilized and showed solidarity against the South African repressive apartheid regime. And so South African journalists have no choice but to stand up in support of Palestinian um, journalists that are being targeted. And it was very interesting that this was one of the cases, one of the points raised in the court today um, as, as, as as an example, uh, you know, when, when advocate has some, sh- you know, demonstrated to the court all of these actions um, that Israel has been um, uh, targeting whether it, you know children, ambula- uh, ambulances, uh, ch- uh, hospitals, and she included in her submission that journalists are also targeted. I think that um, that uh, the, you know it uh, as uh, Zubaydah Jaffer said to me this week, uh, a renowned anti-apartheid journalist. She said she's horrified that not 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 more South African journalists have come out in solidarity with our colleagues uh, in Palestine and I think that uh, a lot more action needs to be to be done I think South African National Editors Forum had issued a statement condemning uh, the killings um, and the and the committee for the protection of journalists have has been uh, repeatedly calling for thorough investigations for a ceasefire and for um, the stopping of, of of the targeting of, of, of journalists and I think that um, what this case does is that it shines the spotlight on that uh, uh, on that issue and, and 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 an important moment for South African journalists and for journalists across the world to come out in solidarity with um, our colleagues who are being targeted by Israel. Qanita Hunter, shukran jazakum for joining us. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.